Didn't you know that realtors are evil? Uh, apparently, we're the worst people on earth. They're the reason the house price. The sellers who want the money have no stake in any of this. Of course, of no, course no, not. The no. buyers who bring the money have no stake in this it's either. It's us driving Real, it. Yeah, realtors definitely. are evil. Go look on TikTok. I, I heard that they uh, they're all they're all they're all terrible people. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We have a special episode with an in person guest today. It's been a long time. In fact, it's been over a year since we've done an episode in person. And we hope to do a couple more of these, not only because they're a little bit more fun to do, but because we hope that you're going to enjoy listening to the episode. So for today's flavor of the week, we have Mr. David Smith Holmes of David Smith's Smith Holmes Group, also one of the owners of Royal LePage Wollstonecroft and Royal LePage Wheeler Team in Chilliwack. Um, this is a fantastic uh, group of individuals at these real estate offices and they're selling over $3 billion annually. Uh, David and a couple of the other partners have the honor to uh, lead them. But more some, most importantly, uh, they also get a lot of knowledge from what's happening in the marketplace, both from a statistic standpoint, but also from a standpoint of just quite literally being on the ground level with many agents that they can talk to about what's happening. Now, the reason I brought David on is, well, a few reasons. First of all, he's a good friend of mine. The second reason is because he also is someone who looks into his numbers and statistics and takes an analytical look and understanding as to what's going on, combined with the emotional element of understanding his buyers and, as I mentioned, the real estate offices uh, that he uh, looks over. Uh, David posted an article not long ago about the market shifting. And whether you're listening to this episode as it's brand new or if you're listening to it later on, you are certainly going to find a ton of value because we talk about why the market shifts and what happens and the reasons why for what's going on. But in addition to that, we also talked about what's happening in the economy and what's likely to continue to occur. This is a great, great episode and a nice deep dive and a different conversation. So I hope you love it. Give us those feedback. Give us your feedback, I should say, at the feedback channels on our Instagram at the YVR Remo Show at Thrive Mortgage Co. And, and of course, if you're loving this episode, I can ask you one little tiny favorite. Please Share this out to someone else you know that this could impact. Our goal is to help more families create wealth in real estate, and that could be just becoming a first-time homeowner, or it could be buying your second, third, or fifth investment property. Of course, the show is presented by us at Thrive, Thrive Mortgage Co. Visit us at thrivemortgage.ca if you want to find out more. I hope you enjoy today's episode with David Smith. I'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming. Thanks, Fatty. It's good to see you. It, you know. I should clarify, like, Fatty is F-A-D-D-Y. Some yes. people are like, why do you call him Fatty? I'm like, I'm not calling him Fatty. He's either McFadden. Way, it wouldn't make a difference. It wouldn't make a difference. I'm not offended either way, so we're okay. good. But thank you for that. Um, so absent from today's program is uh, Derek and Dean um, enjoying their families tonight. And uh, I get you I get you one-on-one. -on -one, so this is a good time. It's intimate. We're going to talk about market shifts because because we have to. Yeah, because we've seen one. Yeah, um, for a lot of the listeners of the podcast, they're in a variety of different phases of their career or their home buying careers. Some yep. are investors, some are real estate agents, some are people buying their first home. Uh, listen, pay attention to this podcast, no matter where you are and when you are, because the conversation around market shifting is one that's not broken down or explained. So as you know, on the previous episodes, David, because I know you've listened to every single one. I listened to a lot, dude. 
Thank you. Um, we like to take the concept and then explain it and break it down. What does it mean? Who does it impact? What's happening? And you wrote this awesome article, which uh, we were we were looking for a reason to get you on for a while. And in, in in full disclosure to the listener here, because uh, your wealth of information, knowledge, and a good friend, terrible golfer, but we'll get into that later. I still be you. <laughs> Come on, I'm I'm good at other things. I just you, know, you are. I just look good. So great at mortgages and pugs. There we are. <laughs> In any case, uh, the Market Shift article you published in March of 2022, uh, that'll be a timeless article in my opinion because we've seen in our working careers now um, a lot of different market shifts. Yeah. So uh, whether it was in 2015-16 where it was the first time really things took off in the yeah. Vancouver region to 2019 after the rules came in to... 2018 in the April. That oh. was when I remember <clears throat> like, after the stress test actually hit, it was like a tap turned off. Mm. Unbelievable. Mm. So these 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 markers and yeah. and the reasons why are obviously varied. But uh, what I like about what you wrote in this article was uh, the reasons why things are shifting now. But not only that, other reasons why they could and what you can do in those circumstances yeah. as well, which we'll talk about today too. Um, I like okay, so you know let's get right into it here, man, because. Uh, the way that you broke it down was pretty cool. Like just to summarize, you know, uh, the reasons with inventory, uh, with with the, the amount of buyers, whether it's demand, and you know, we were just talking about this on, a, on an alternative chat of ours, and and sales ratios. But what does that actually mean? You know, yeah. what is a sales ratio? I know you're going to break that down, and then and then why is this even happening? So so uh, in in 2021 we had an insane year, yeah. right? House prices. Uh, obviously increased dramatically all over Canada yep. in every single basically city province you know area and so forth uh continuing right into the 2022 and and we all know this because it was in every article everywhere there was literally zero inventory and that's all everybody was talking about everything's what we're asking everything was being offers. absorbed within seven days that was the rhythm for sure right so why is that changing first of all like why are we seeing a shift right now and let's just break this whole shift thing down. I'm going to let yep. you take over. So I started the article a little bit with data and got it out the way. I'm not going to go deep on the data. I'm not even going to give you like any data points because we do want this to be evergreen for folks. But one of the reasons that we saw this coming and we were able to predict it was we saw inventory spiking like crazy. And we're going to talk about why that was, but the numbers weren't lying. Like we were seeing doubling, tripling, sometimes quadrupling of inventory. Um, buyer demand also increased, but nowhere near as fast. So all of a sudden your sales ratio, which is a very basic calculation, it's just your sales divided by your active listings, which is your inventory, gives you the percentage of home selling, right? So in a very, very, very hot market, like the one we experienced in the last two years, sales ratio can be over 100%. So everything that hits the market is selling guaranteed. And on average in seven days, we're now beginning to drop to like, 80%, 70%, 60% in some of those markets. That's the data. That's just the hard facts. People don't really care about that. What they care about is like, okay, like why is all that happening? Why is inventory spiking? Why, why is buyer demand not keeping up and that kind of thing? So there were a few points that I had. So, you know, when you see that happen, there's a seasonality to it. Like there, there's massive seasons within real estate. Some, some people would say that there's like these seven year cycles and that kind of thing. Some people say that that's real. Some people say that that's not real, whatever. I'm not talking about seven year cycles. I'm talking about annual cycles. So we usually have like a strong spring market 
and a strong fall market, but the winter is often very, very quiet mm. and the summer is often very, very quiet. Mm -hmm. So we were due for like a seasonal increase in inventory. I think particularly after the last two years where people have kind of been grounded, there's been a little bit less movement um, with lockdowns and everything else that's gone on. Um, some people have just run out of patience and are like, no, I actually need to make a move happen. So we are listing. Mm. And that seasonal kind of combination of we're entering the spring market, it's time to sell, combined with pent up, like, okay, we can't really hang on here anymore. We've already had a COVID baby. And, you know, now there's like babies in the bathtubs, like this isn't working anymore. <laughs> we need to sell. So that seasonality has made a, a really, really big uh, difference. I think there's obviously other things at play as well. Like people are getting a little bit spooked by interest rates. You know a lot more about interest rates than I do. I don't actually think it's the practicality mm. of the interest rates. It's nothing to do with affordability or like how many people are impacted by interest rate hikes. Mm -hmm. It's more like sentiment and confidence. Like yeah. emotion. When, yeah, emotion. When the mm -hmm. media start talking about like BLC are raising interest rates or the Federal Reserve are raising interest rates, depending on what country you're in, like, you know, Everybody begins freaking out, even although you and I both know, and you've told your listeners multiple times, like, okay, it's hitting variable people and not everybody's variable and it might be a tiny amount of money, like blah, blah, blah. I don't need to tell people that your listeners know all that, but they just begin getting very, very nervous. There's so, there's so many reasons that we begin seeing inventory. So let's, let's, let's break down. So that's a good breakdown of, of, of what is, you know, sales to listing ratios. Yeah. What is, what is a hot market, not a hot market? Why are things seasonal? Cause there are seasonalities in the lending spaces well people yep. are more likely to make a move in the spring versus christmas time obviously you know people have debt in christmas they look to refinance in the spring move in the spring there's more properties people are ready to move before kids go to school and then everybody's trying to close on their property in yeah. july and august and so forth yeah, before seasonality. they go on vacation so why is this different than your typical seasonality which is what's occurring right now and and, and it's maybe the combination of factors right it, okay it's not just the annual seasonality it's adding in that pent up you know, the, the kind of the lockdown factor that we talked about there, yeah. the combination with interest rates, the combination of with fear. Like right. there's just so much fear in the in, in society right now that everybody is freaking out. And then I, I would say the final point that's kind of like causing us to peak and we probably peaked, we're, t we're talking now in April uh, in the Metro Vancouver market, April, 2022, we probably peaked in like February of, of 2022. So now, sellers are rushing to catch the tail end of the peak and trusting that they're not they've not missed out too much right so it's all just this massive combination of like inventory 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 and buyers not like one of the biggest differences we see in a market shift is expectations between buyers and sellers gets really really wide the sellers still want the price from last month and the buyers want next month's price. So if your market is shifting like this, that gap somehow needs to be closed in the negotiation and it's it can get really messy. You can have massively disappointed sellers and buyers that are like, oh, if I can't get it for 50,000 under list and 100,000 under what it would have been a month ago, then I'm not gonna buy after all. So that, so that can create a little bit of a stalemate. Yeah, you know, obviously buyers not interested in purchasing over whatever you said, list price yeah. or at a certain amount. And sellers at a certain position where they said, hey, my neighbor just sold for 1.2. When we know that this property might have sold for $900,000 six months ago. Well, we, and were, we were literally just talking about that with a mutual client of ours. Yeah. yeah. Where that, that example 
I think it was it was two weeks ago we were negotiating on his behalf. In February, one of our agents at the brokerage sold a neighboring unit in the same complex for, we'll, we'll throw some numbers out there, obviously not identifying client names or anything like that or the complex, but one of our agents sold in there for a million and 30. That was like back in February. Um, then one of the neighbors sold for a million a couple of weeks ago, literally two doors down, identical unit for a million bucks. Uh, these guys listed at 950. And we negotiate them all the way down to nine twenty seven five hundred over a period of days. So one hundred thousand dollars. It was it was a, it was a big difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so so that that's partially indicative, obviously, of the the more inventory in the marketplace and less interest. And there's as you mentioned, less buyers. But the expectations. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm going with that story. Like the sellers still wanted the million million and thirty, um, but that wasn't the only thing that changed. My buyer you know, when we came in, was willing to walk away multiple times because he's like, I can get, I can probably get this cheaper in a month. Mm -hmm. So we walked away, walked away, walked away. And that was how we were able to negotiate as, you know, aggressively so, as we could. So let's talk this, let's just break this down in the eyes of a, a, a buyer or, yeah. or somebody who's looking to purchase a piece of real estate, whether yeah. it be investment or otherwise. Yep. One of the biggest challenges associated with this quote unquote shift in timeline is that we experienced one and a half years of growth with six months of in, insane growth to the point where it was, and there was no way it was going to continue. Let's just put that it was a torrid pace. Yeah. And so in, in that phase, we assume, you know, maybe four months ago, we don't assume, but we guess, okay, when will this shift happen? When will it occur? But then it goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. And it's almost like a roller coaster. We're going to go up, but we don't know for how long until things kind of go. But here's the better question because I didn't get to give you a question out of that, but here's, here is my question. As a buyer, a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to wait, yeah. wait, and wait, and I'm wait, and I'm going to wait. We see the shift occur. You've got the mindset of a buyer right now. Are we waiting longer now because we've seen us come over that edge? And for how long until things, quote unquote, shift in another direction? What are you telling people so, who are asking that question right now? Okay, there's a few questions in there. And I, I'm... Yeah, being I'm being a poor I'm, host. I'm being, no, I'm being tempted <laughs> in a million different directions. Okay, let's, let's, um, let's focus on the, the one point first, which is, let's, let's get that last question out. You're a buyer. You've seen the market increase for a period of time. We've come over the edge again. Prices are now starting to come back down. Should I wait even longer? I think you need to remember why you're buying. So there's some buyers that honestly should. They should be waiting. Like if you're making an upsize move right now, uh, where you're selling, let's again, throw some numbers on it, just like very basic ones. Let's say you're selling a $500,000 condo and you are looking to buy a $1.5 million single family home or a million dollar townhouse. Well, as the market comes down, proportionally, if you're making an upsize move, the single family and the townhouse is coming down more than your condo, which is you know, a half or a third of the price. So for them, there's an argument that can be made, like hold on for a little bit. Also the way that the market works, things tend to start at single family, then they bump down to townhouses, then they bump down to condos. Condos in our market right now are actually still pretty hot. Like in a market shift, the condos are often the last ones to experience the shift, just as when the, the, the market is shifting upwards, Condos are the last ones to experience that shift as well. So, you know, if you're an upsizer right now, yeah, there's the temptation to hold on. If you're buying something and you're a downsizer, then the opposite makes sense. And at that point, it's like, no, 
we should be moving right now. We should sell your larger property, your more expensive property as soon as we possibly can. And then trust that if the market continues going down, that you're going to be able to purchase your downsize uh, even cheaper mm-hmm. a, l- a little bit later on. So it really depends on the client scenario. Um, the other component I would throw into there is you have to remember why you're buying and mm-hmm. how long you're going to be there. Yeah. Like with every real estate transaction, like you're in mortgages, I get it. Like you're picturing finances. That's the way that you're oriented. That's your job. Um, for me as the real estate professional, the finances really, really matter. But the other element to the equation that's really important is the lifestyle. So for some clients, the reason that they're moving isn't to maximize financially. I know that's sacrilege to you. Because <laughs> you're always like, David, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm going to make some changes in my mortgage coming up probably in the next couple of years. I know you're going to look at me and be like, that's absolutely crazy. But from a lifestyle standpoint, yep. it makes complete sense to me, right? So if they're looking for a home for the next 10 years and the right property hits the market and we have an ability to secure it, like, are they going to really worry about a short-term, even a mid-term drop if a long-term it's just going to keep going up? And then the, the other one of the other areas that your question kind of triggered for me, um, obviously we've talked about interest rates and that kind of thing. Well, we have to remember why the Bank of Canada are raising interest rates right now. And it's because inflation's completely out of control. And uh, most home purchases are dealt with in Canadian dollars. That's the other side of the equation in most home purchases. And inflation is a result, I believe, and there's a school of economics that believes that inflation is a result of creating too much currency, right? There's too much supply of the currency, so all of a sudden the demand is diluted. So your dollar buys less. So I actually, I don't think we're going to see a massive pullback in um, Canadian dollars in price terms. I mean, if you compare what your house can purchase you if you were to sell your house and exchange it for bushels of wheat or bars of gold or you know some cryptocurrency or something like that sure i don't know if we're getting too ethereal there and i don't know if i'm doing a good job explaining it but i don't think in canadian dollars we're going to see a collapse in prices so that was a long way i mean this <laughs> that was good. That was a really this good... This matters I, to me. It so does because it's one of the ways that you can understand how the market's going to work. No, that was a very good explanation of your, your thoughts and theory around what's happening, why it's happening, and the price points that are occurring. And the listener should take away that essentially, more or less, there are circumstances where if you own real estate, I want to be clear on this, if you own real estate, there may be times which may be better than others. I took that way away from what you said. So if you are a homeowner and you are looking to upsize or downsize, there can be slight time periods. But we're talking about gaps of probably three to six months. We're not talking about years here. However, as you just mentioned, should I be concerned about house prices? As you use the word uh, pullback, some people use crash. Uh, We took that away from it. They're different scales. Like, I I mean, people have been calling for a crash for such a long time. As long as I can remember newspapers. I cannot envision a crash in real estate measured in Canadian dollars. So like, let's so let, let me go back and break that down again to the listener and and what you said was essentially because the dollar is quote unquote devalued which I don't disagree with of course but we're not getting into that conversation and because of inflation and rising rates and prices and so forth uh, we're seeing these prices of homes increase and well even though the bank of canada is increasing rates well in reality is the homes are 
I wouldn't say worth more, but the value of the dollar is worth less. So the home prices go up and they stay up within reason. And and we could riff on that a little bit. And one example I will give before we move on from the inflation conversation, because I actually do think it's really important for people to understand and, and very few people actually do think about these things. If you're an investor, if you're a real estate investor, you do need to understand this. When I was talking to a real estate brokerage in January of 2021, I told them, look, we don't know exactly how much currency the Bank of Canada has created because they're not quite as transparent as the Federal Reserve in the United States. But that our dollar, we have a parity or a near parity with the US dollar. So we knew that we would need to be printing about the same amount of currency as what the US was printing. They printed, you're going to try and interrupt me here, but I no, think it's really no, go, important. Go, go, go. Um, they printed like 23% of all US currency that was ever created was created in 2020, right? And I was looking at that going, Canada probably had to create around the same amount of currency. So I told our agents in January of 2021, we don't yet know how much the Canadian government print or the Bank of Canada who are taking their instruction from the government uh, to print currency. We don't know how much they did, but we suspect it's around the same amount. And guess what? That's exactly how much real estate went up in 2020. It was like, it was absolutely tied. So yes, housing went up, but more so the dollar went down. And that's one of the reasons that you should invest in real estate is that mm. it's a hedge against inflation. To, to tie that back again, yeah. just to make sure we're on the same track and the listener understands, again, the, the key question around timing and not timing and so forth. Um, I think, you know, again, we want to bring it back. We've determined, obviously, that a, a home buyer or seller is in a good position either way if you own that property and you can yeah. kind of time that out. Um, that also tells me that the home buyer that's trying to buy their first home or doesn't own any real estate or invest into real estate way right harder. now is, yeah, it's, it's, it's substantially more difficult to do so. But as you just explained, with valuations continuing to grow and more money being printed or devalued, whatever, you know, terminology you want to use, you can't time that nearly as easily. It's very difficult. And there's probably a lot of micro economies to look at it in yeah. that consideration. But basically, that that is a more difficult thing. Of course, if you can hang on to it, it makes sense. I want to share a statistic with, statistic with you, something that recently came out. So we shared with you, you know, uh, the top uh, brokers in Canada and so forth. And I don't want to get too deep into that, but I want to share a stat. In 2019, the culmination of the top 75 mortgage brokers in Canada funded $8.9 billion dollars. Two years later, in 2021, that number escalated to 14.6 billion. Yep. Okay, so I'm just going to give you this, some some numbers: 2017, 7.8; 2018, 7.7; 2019, 8.9; 2020, 10.1; 2021, 14.6 billion So I would agree with you. There is money, more money available. Prices are increasing. A lot of debt. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of debt out there. And and this again, the conversation we don't want to get too far off track here, but. Um, so I, I'm going to interrupt you because we don't need to keep going macro, and I, I get that. There is another backstop, just the nature of the market, and we're talking about shifting markets, that I can actually see happening here. Remember how we were talking about sellers all not wanting to miss the boat on hitting the peak of the market? Some of them, and I actually received a phone call from a seller who had another agent, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I can't really talk to you. They just started ranting. And my sense from them, before I was able to hang up the phone after explaining I can't talk to you, my sense was if they don't see the dollar amount that they want to see, then they're pulling the listing. Yeah. So I think with the massive spike in inventory that we've experienced recently, once sellers realize that they actually did miss the boat, and if they are quite content and quite comfortable where they are, 
yep. inventory is going to drop again, yep. which is like a backstop against prices falling too far. And and one of the reasons that that came up as well was with so much currency floating around, there's an enormous amount of currency on the sidelines, an enormous amount of money on the sidelines, an enormous amount of more debt that can be loaned out on the sidelines. Yep. Eventually, investors are going to see the value there yep. and they're going to pick it up again. So th there are multiple floors under it. So all, we got onto all of that because I talked about a pullback and you mentioned the word crash and I want to be very clear. I do not see a crash. Thank you. I can see a pullback. That's good. So, so that's important for any listener to hear, whether you're a first time, you're an investor, you're seasoned, hey, you're a real estate agent that sold a thousand transactions. Uh, because again, if we did look over seven, 10, 15 years, uh, tell me the last time we saw a quote unquote a crash. There's I mean, a few people waiting there's a few people that have been waiting for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Metro Vancouver's going to crash. It's got, there's a Facebook group. Hey, I, I got kicked out of it because I tried to actually talk about like facts and data. And, and we'll, we'll never say never because we don't know what could happen. Something terrible could obviously occur, but sure. chances are uh, very, very, very low. So, uh, so I mean, again, we're going to stay on track here with regards to shifts. So basically we hit the thing. The reason this is so important is because we had such an extreme occurrence for a period of time. There weren't enough people selling. Why weren't they selling? And why are people selling now? And and why is this likely to continue to be an issue? Pretty much everything has been fear. Like okay. a lot of people weren't selling because they were scared they weren't going to be able to buy. Yeah. That was like the number one reason. Our our business basically like and and I'm talking about David Smith Homes Group, like our primary real estate team here. Um we did about a quarter to a third of the business in the second half of 2021 compared to the first half of 2021 because I was just going to clients who were looking to both sell and buy in the same marketplace and saying, guys, you know I can sell your house in a heartbeat. Like that's not gonna be a problem and it'll be an eye-watering amount. I just, I don't know what I'm gonna show you on the buy side. And they were like, yeah, no, we're not participating in that. Like that sounds really scary. And it, and it was really scary. So a lot of people weren't selling during that time period because they were scared. The reason that they're now selling is also fear. Yep. They're scared that they've missed the top. They've, yep. They're scared that they've missed their opportunity. So there's a fear. There's a fear. I won't get the the amount of money I'm I'm hoping for. So so looking forward now, you know, we've gone from a place where uh, every single property that was on the marketplace was receiving multiple uh, offers. And uh, again, we want to be clear because some of our listeners might, might not fully understand all the lingo. So when we say multiple offers, that means there's a situation where uh, if you are selling a property, you have a date, you set that date. What's yep. that date called? An offer presentation date. Offer presentation date. So David, you're the real estate agent representing someone. You have an offer presentation date of a Tuesday the following week. Yep. And you would have a variety of real estate agents coming to provide an offer for their clients. Yep. And this is what creates a multiple offer or bidding circumstance. Okay. Now, um, obviously, the challenge, one of the challenges with our industry is it's not only heavily policed, it's uh, heavily reported. And there's a lot of people out there that like to report things in a variety of manners. And social media is, well, both great and terrible at the same time. You're so polite. Uh, I am very polite right now. <laughs> um, listen, there's a lot of people posting a lot of stuff out there and it's either A, getting people hyped up or B, scaring the crap out of people. And there's a lot of exaggeration, of, of course. course. When every real estate agent under the sun is posting that I just got 15 offers for my client and sold it for $300,000 above when they priced the property incorrectly. Uh, but in, not in all cases. Some cases it was priced appropriately for the time and it just sold above because that's what happened. Um, the fear sets in, fear. And that's what I bring it to, to a client. But again, 
you know, three months later, two months later, now we're seeing, you know, three people come to the table for your property, two people come to the table, one per, per person come to the table. And, and again, here we are, again, in a situation where there's less buyers. But uh, where I want to go with this actually is, is just generally the public sentiment around seeing that and what kind of impact that has in the market to your understanding, so how shift, big of impact is is the social element? The, the, you touched on pricing there. Mm-hmm. The shift when it comes to pricing is absolutely fascinating because we've now had a year and a half, if not two years, of buyer expectations being there's the list price, yep. and then there's the price I'm going to have to pay in multiple offers, which yep. could be fifty thousand more, hundred thousand more, two hundred thousand more, five hundred thousand more, depending yep. on how it's been priced. I've been telling buyers for the last two years the list price does not matter right. because it could be underpriced, priced at market value, or overpriced. So you have to take it on a case by case basis, right? But their expectation for the last two years is. I'm going to have to go way over. So one of the observations we had, and I was talking to one of our agents in the brokerage about this, um, they priced their Langley townhouse at market value. It was $900,000, okay? They got zero traffic in this marketplace when, when the right on the front end of the shift. And the reason for that was that the buyers were still thinking to themselves, I'm gonna have to go like 100,000 over, 200,000 over, I'm not gonna be able to qualify for this anymore. And so he literally got no traffic. Mm. One of the things you were talking about very politely, like the media and social media and everything else, Mm. and often it's our profession to get absolutely slammed for that. What people don't understand is the, the market dynamic, the buyer's expectation actually made it very difficult for that agent to to price it at market value. Mm -hmm. So he ended up dropping the price, Mm -hmm. like $50,000 or $100,000, I don't remember exactly what it was, and all of a sudden he had it sold the next week. Didn't you know that realtors are evil? Uh, (laughs) Apparently (laughs) we're the worst people on earth. They're the reason the house price, the sellers who want the money have no stake in any of this, of course. Of course not. The buyers who bring the money have no stake in this either. It's us driving it. Realtors are evil. Go look on TikTok. I I heard that (laughs) uh, they're all all terrible people. but, but what's fascinating to me from that perspective actually is the psychology of seeing this information, how it gets out there so much quicker. I wonder to myself if 10 years ago, you know, after the U.S. had their uh, situation and what occurs down there, if we had social media at that time, what that impact would have been on the market here. So speaking of emotion and fear, I, I wonder if uh, people seeing that is impacting things at such a greater scale, even faster. So if we knew that there was less inventory in September, but everyone was seeing that online and on social and so forth, if that just made it so much more dramatic, that's yeah. just a, an interesting, do you hear change, that? Like change is happening at a faster pace across yeah. society. And, yeah. and we're certainly not exempt from that in real estate because much of what we're talking about is sentiment. And, right. and it, like we even see it among realtors where they're, we're talking amongst ourselves and it's like, I had an open house and I only got three people through when the week before a neighboring unit got 30 people, 30 mm. people through. Like that literally happened to me mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully we still managed to execute and we ended up getting a higher sale price, but that's a big difference. And it sure made me a little bit more nervous on a Tuesday evening. Mm-hmm. So the realtors are talking like a lot and the public is talking a lot. Realtors are producing a ton of content and they're like, the market is shifting, the market is shifting. And all of a sudden, like it's, it sometimes feels like it switches overnight. It's, it, it's true. And it's interesting to see that. And I, I, I just want to reference, I'm going back to your article, just make sure we touched on a lot of the key points here, like around what happened. Of course, you explained the fact that obviously more listings in the marketplace, uh, fewer people shopping for a variety of reasons. 
um, you know, obviously seeing the uh, the change in interest rates uh, creating some fear, even whether or not it does impact people. You know, they typically look at the news yeah. and look at that as the gospel. There's a lot of uh, in- interesting points around that. I, I want to kind of look forward a little bit here and again i'm trying to keep this relatively evergreen um but we 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 saw the market go up extreme highs extremely quick and then turn around really quickly as a buyer investor your primary advice that i heard from you to make sure we're on the same page is not necessarily to continue to time this so if you're listening to this focus on your primary reason for doing so and remember the long term is that right is that what your advice is typically yeah and consider the lifestyle components right like we i have a client right now who's moving for a school catchment okay he doesn't really like a shift of twenty thousand dollars in a two-week period of time if it's not just about the investment, but it's also about having his child in the right school, yeah, like that makes a lot more of a difference to him. And when yeah. it's amortized over 30 years or 25 years, a $20,000 difference. Like, I know I sound like, oh, you're a realtor and you're talking about $20,000 as if it's nothing. But when it comes to your kid being in the right school for that client, it's nothing to do with me and everything to do with them. Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I totally agree with you, first and foremost. What's the reason for you doing it? Why are you doing it? If you're just trying to capitalize on the market, then that's a totally different conversation and depends on where you're going here. I think the biggest thing I want to hit home here is is that we've seen this upwards trend. We've seen a downwards trend. There are different shifts that occur, maybe not at this extreme level, but that people who are getting into real estate should probably anticipate more market shifts like this at a, at a higher velocity as we move forward uh, for the next couple of years I think so. and generally speaking if you're moving into a property and you're going to hold it long term whether for investment or something else like stop waiting right stop waiting for it um let's touch on a couple of rapid questions here for you with interest rates continuing to increase and likely going up depending on what happens here with the roar and you know russia and the crane and with the bank of canada trying to recover from the pandemic do you anticipate that we'll see a general slowdown in the real estate market from an interest perspective therefore just reducing overall demand and keeping a more flat market or where, where do you think things are going to go less so i mean we saw we referenced earlier what happened in april of 2018 mm-hmm. when the government had telegraphed the fact that we were going to have this stress test implemented yep well everybody's stress tested or not everybody but the majority of buyers are stress tested like three percentage points above roughly what they're actually going to pay as you know better than anybody else Mm -hmm. well that means that we're going to have to have like 12 25 point basis or sorry 12 25 point basis basis point increases increases, yeah like that's so many Mm -hmm. and if they raise it that fast like you've got bigger problems in the economy than housing so Mm -hmm. I just can't really see that happening. Like people are pre-qualified way above or stress tested way above Mm -hmm. where they're actually going to be paying. So Mm -hmm. the interest rates, I don't worry about too much. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to be the catalyst for a major slowdown. Okay. We just had, uh, we're part of a group chat and we had someone uh, just, just leave us a message talking about a hundred thousand, hundred thousand, if I could speak English here, uh, migrants or immigrants uh, in British Columbia alone in what period of time? I last, don't. Last 12 I, that months. was Matty, and I had no idea what Matty was talking about. Um, so, but we do we do know that the federal government have like a target of 1.2 million immigrants in the next three years or something like that. So obviously, like immigration is going to be enormous. And according to Phil Soper from Royal LePage, um, he was saying that's the CEO of Royal LePage. He was saying around 75 percent of those immigrants are coming ready to buy, 
which is a shock to a lot of people. I think a lot of people hear the word immigrant and they're like, oh, they're coming to mooch off the system. And blah. That is not what I think at all. And that is not what the data says. So in uh, February, Canada increased the target to 432,000 immigrants. We had 35,000 in the month of January alone. Yep. Um, I will agree I'm with this. I'm an immigrant. Uh, there we go. And I will agree the sentiment. I've had more people than ever in from interesting locations in the U.S., the U.S. Uh, this week alone, I've had three different applications from individuals yep. that are looking to migrate from the U.S. to well, Canada. You and I have done in the last month have done deals with clients from Slovenia and Israel, but at the same time, like as much as there's migration in Canada, also saw the largest outflow that it's seen since I think it was 1973. There you go. And I am dealing with a lot of clients that are leaving British Columbia, a lot going to Alberta, a lot going to Texas, a lot going to Arizona, a lot going to Florida. Um, so so there's going to be people coming in. Yeah. There's going to be people coming out. So I, I don't want to get too much too deep into that particular conversation because I want to stay focused on the ship. But basically, you know, the the, the sum in, in my opinion and listening to a lot of what you said, aside from the obvious of just helping someone understand what's happening in the shift and, and why this could be happening, but looking forward in terms of the value of real estate as investment, the one thing that seems to be clear for me is no matter if people are, are, are migrating to a different province or going to Florida or coming in, people are still buying buying real estate they're owning real estate as their primary investment it's a great investment right like, <laughs> like it's like from a tax standpoint yeah if it's your principal residence it's a fantastic investment it's land they're not making any more of it like i, I don't know you've said it a million times it's all over the internet like the vast majority of people that build any wealth are building it in real estate they do proven over and over and over again i would so. not sell my house today and go put it in crypto or anything else. Like, and it's not just the financial side of things. Like, that's my house. The mistake that I'm probably going to make in mortgages that I referenced earlier that I feel like you're gonna slap me for, I just wanna pay my mortgage down. Like, I want to own my house. Period. Not the bank own my house. No one, like, I just want to own my house. That is valuable to me. I just listened to Tim Ferriss interview a guy. They've both paid off their mortgages seems like a really dumb idea. Like I understand that people want to pull out equity and that kind of thing. And this is why you want to slap me, but that's the value of real estate is it's stability. So yeah, I, I think it's a great investment and it's not just because I'm in real estate. It's because I, <laughs> I own a home. I own a home. Like how cool is I that? Think, I think the key point to all this is that you do own a piece of real estate and yeah. you understand the value of investing. And I, I don't know enough about your situation to not get into that part of it to suggest that you know the value of using your equity in many circumstances yep. too. So, well, let's let's cap it there. I think that was a lot of good stuff. As a, a quick little sum for all, all you listeners in there, the market has shifted tremendously, but it will likely continue to shift back and forth. And I think you'd made a good explanation of how that that's happening, why that's happening, both on a micro and a macro level, uh, and also what could happen moving forward. I think we went deeper than when we were even expecting getting into this one right here, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I expected everything in there. <laughs> <laughs> everything but Chewy. Everything awesome, but man. Chewy. Well, thanks for coming down. Really appreciate it, buddy. And uh, if you guys want to find David, we'll have all the links in the show notes. So um, as always, as always, uh, Mr. Smith, thanks, thanks for coming on. Listeners, leave us that five-star review. We'd love to have you on there, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you.